Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, we're talking the continued success of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Is time running out on GTA 5? And our ideas on how to build the better hot dog this July 4th. All this and more as we once again delve into... The Pop Culture Cosmos. Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you being part of our broadcast here today. But it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos without my good friend. He is the patriarch of Humanica Media. You got to check out everything they've got going on at HumanicaMedia.com, Humanica Media on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and so much more. It's my good friend. It's Josh Peterson. What's up, man? Hey, hey. So occasionally I like to listen to podcasts that aren't by us. And I came across one this morning and these guys were trying to they, they usually just talk entertainment, but they were trying to dig into like politics and stuff. And they go, you know, I'm not an expert on this. And this is only based on what I read in the headlines. And like the moment they said that, I was like, I don't want to hear this because it's going to just be really dumb so uh i just want to take a moment to say i'm glad that we don't dive into politics we try to stay away from it as much as possible because i want to be a friendly happy diversion for the most part and tackle pop culture topics sometimes it'll get a little heavy when it comes to social media when it comes to the business aspects that we also talk about but for the most part we try to keep it light and entertaining And hopefully that everyone else out there feels the same way that we try to deviate from all the stresses of everyday life out there. Thank you so much, my friend, for the kind words. It's truly appreciated. But it is as much your show as it is mine. So it's always great to hear it when anybody says that, you, me, or otherwise. So just truly appreciate it. It's going to be a great show we have for you indeed. We've got Ben Arnault from the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast He is going to tell you how to build the better hot dog this July 4th. I know everybody's going to be out there grilling their hot dogs, and he's going to give his tips on how to build the best hot dog you can out there, including some deviations from it that you might find tastes even better than the hot dogs you might want to throw just out there on the grill. We've also got Douglas Hoibu from Metro City Games. He's going to be interviewing the folks at Hyperkin, talking about all the great things that they've got when it comes to the video game accessory world. He has an interview that he conducted at E3 2018 right there in the middle of the mix, and we're going to play that coming up here later in the show. Plus, Josh and I are going to be talking about the DC streaming service. 
Is it a viable option for everyone out there that's interested in pop culture? We're going to talk about that. Plus also as well, Grand Theft Auto V, it has been a dynamo in the video game world for many years now since its initial release. It has garnered so much in sales and done so much for the community and the fan base out there. But with all the games coming around that are out right now, the big interest in Battle Royale games, plus what's coming around the corner from them as well, we're going to talk about if the clock is finally starting to run out on the popularity of Grand Theft Auto V. That's coming up later in the show as well. But first, my friend, it's almost at $1 billion. It's over $900 million right now and still climbing up the charts it is Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. It was number one again this weekend at the domestic box office, followed closely by Incredibles 2. It's now garnered worldwide around $925 million, another big hit for Universal, and truly something that has garnered a lot of attention. Word of mouth has been strong enough to keep this momentum train going. I want to ask you, my friend, you've seen the movie and you wanted to share some thoughts on it as far as the future success of the series, but also how Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom may or may not please audiences. Yeah, I I don't get it. I don't get the movie. Like, I mean, I get it, but I don't get why it's doing so well. So this is it's a it's a movie. Dinosaurs eat people. End of story. Right, right. And that's kind of the typical Jurassic Park formula. But I think that it's kind of strayed away from what made the original so great. And maybe, you know, I think about this, too. Maybe my taste in movies are changing. Like maybe I am like I am the example we always talk about of franchise fatigue. But like I went to go see this movie and I didn't have high hopes. I like I knew what I was getting into and that's what I wanted. But they took I don't know. It just they took all the stuff that was great about the other movies and they just took it out of it. You know, all the movies, even Jurassic Park three, Blessed's Heart. So great. I mean, great's a strong word for that one. But what made it good was that you went to this island. You got these big set pieces. It's a you got your spectacle. And then the moment you see the dinosaurs, it just it feels so magical. And you get the John Williams score playing, you know, that that typical. And you're just you're a little kid again and you're sitting there and your your imagination is just going wild with this one. They just kind of turned it into a monster flick. So you get on the island, but they're only, you know, technically on the island for about 15 minutes, I want to say. Hold on. This might delve into spoilers territory. So I want to give everybody the heads up on it. If you don't want to know the spoilers just please maybe turn it down a little bit on the volume so you don't hear for a few minutes. But want to let everybody know in case they that we're going possibly into spoilers territory when it comes to Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Boom. Thank you. Yeah. And then the rest of the movie just takes place in a mansion. So it's, you know, you have all these dinosaurs running around this mansion. You know, you got your your underground complex and they're you know these shady characters are trying to buy the dinosaurs and whatnot but it just the whole thing feels very unnecessary so like when jurassic world you know they're they're running through the trees they're running through the fields they're jumping into water they have the place where the old park was and you know they have these in these moments these intense moments and then basically what they turned this into was alien you know you have a bunch of people running around a spaceship running from like a either a xenomorph or a xenomorph that was created in a lab as in like an alien resurrection. So in this one, 
they're not just they have the dinosaurs are all trapped in this underground complex but they created a new one of course you know because didn't learn their lesson the first time and this thing is like a monster you know it's like a half raptor half t-rex and then uh it basically is just trying to hunt everyone down through the house and that it's Jurassic Park alien. That's what the movie is. And they get away with that stuff in the other movies because they have the set pieces, you know, they're running through all the, the stuff. You see the mountains, you see all this, all the dinosaurs running away because it's so centralized. It comes off almost like a slasher flick type deal, right? Right. Exactly. It It's a monster movie. That's what it is. It's not, you know, and the last ones were monster movies, but they, they offered you something, something more, but this one, it basically, it's a dark mansion running from a dinosaur. Like Chris Pratt, Bryce Styles Howard, they're all really good, very good. You know, I, I don't want to get too far into what else happened in the movie, but I didn't like it. And, you know, they, they did a lot of things that went for cheap pools at the old emotional strings. And I, I just, I don't know. I don't like where it's going. I, it's it To me, it felt like one of those high-budget straight-to-DVD movies. I just know that from what I'm seeing, it's just something like, like I've said before, I don't have a great affinity for the series in the first place. I think it just all boils down to what Steven Spielberg's original vision for it was, was create, like you said, a set piece or set pieces that just give a chance for the dinosaurs to eat people and not really evolve the people side of the story. It's more focused on the dinosaurs because that's what people pay to see. They don't pay to see really the development of the characters, the storyline, even the narrative to a certain extent. They just want to see what it breaks down to when it comes to the dinosaurs, how good they look when they go ahead and have somebody's foot used as a toothpick in the middle of their teeth. You know, like right there. I mean, that's pretty much what it comes down to. I have seen all the Jurassic Park films. But I've found that they are films for me that are just not a high priority because they always seem to delve into those one or two basic caveats as far as, okay, we're going to go ahead and create some type of scenario where it just leads up to the dinosaurs making sure that they are creating havoc and eating people. I know it's going to come to that. You know it's going to come to that. And anybody sitting down to the theater is actually going to end up knowing that as well. So. It's just to the point, is the movie going to lean towards a more scary type of format or a horror type of format, or is it going to lean toward more of an action-adventure type format? I think what you've been looking for is what most of them have tried to deviate into is more of an action-adventure type format while still wreaking havoc with the dinosaurs. The first one, Jurassic Park, was so good because of the fact that it blended those horror aspects with the action-adventure scenario. It tells me from what you're observing that it looks like it's delving more into the dark horror platform, especially because it's within a centralized format once they get off the island due to the volcano erupting. Yeah, and that that felt weird too. Like there wasn't really a reason for that to happen you know they just needed an excuse to get the dinosaurs on the mainland but at the end of every jurassic park there has seemingly been dinosaurs making their way into the world and they always say you know life finds a way or whatever you know if you watch the ending of this one i don't want to spoil it but you'll sit there and you'll think to yourself okay so they they needed to have all of this happen just so that can happen and what's the 
what's the next movie going to be? Because it can only just the way that they set it up, it can only get more ridiculous from this point forward. But then again, that's the scenario and universe that we have when it comes to the Jurassic World series, because dinosaurs living in today's age is a somewhat ridiculous scenario that we can go ahead and have that technology to create dinosaurs pretty much out of thin air, yet we can't seem to solve any of the other world problems, hunger, disease, famine, anything of that nature. But man, we can sure create those dinosaurs that wreak havoc upon the earth, can't we? Yeah, you'd you think that they would learn their lesson the first time, but they don't. They just don't learn their lesson for about almost going on six movies now, so good for them. I don't know, man. Like it bums me out because, you know, Jurassic Park at one point was very magical and now they're just really doing anything they can to just keep it alive. And this is it's it's being beaten to death. And the thing is, people are going to keep going to see it. People are now going to start going to see Jurassic Park for the same reason that they were able to make three or four or three Jaws movies Four, Yeah, it's just it's for the horror of it, you know, and they're like, what's going to happen? How who's going to get eaten by the dinosaurs? It used to be movie making magic, you know, for the first Jurassic Park. And you just you're not going to get that anymore. But I will disagree with you on one sense. The Jaws movies still drew a little bit, but they drew nowhere near what the first one did. There was a big drop off and it just leveled off with Jaws 2, The Revenge and Jaws 3 and 3D, Jaws 4. They all had a much smaller window of consumers, but it was enough to necessitate another round going to the theater. With this case, we're still talking about a viable property and a franchise that's still making a ton of cash. Will it make the same as Jurassic World's $1.6 billion? No, I think it'll probably teeter off at $1.1, $1.2 in that area, maybe even $1.3. But it's still, we're talking about a sequel generating well over a billion dollars. And that's nothing to sneeze at when it comes to the actual series right now, because there's not many viable properties out there that can do it. I see more similarities between the Jurassic World series and the Transformer series. And the Transformer series were extremely popular overseas, just like Jurassic World, and that it continued success for a little while, iteration, iteration, iteration. Then in the last one or two iterations, just dropped off like a rock to where it became less viable and you actually had to go ahead and put a damper on the series as a whole for a little while, even though we've got Bumblebee coming up here in the near future. I think I see more parallels between the Jurassic World series and the Transformer series as a big budget AAA franchise that, like you said, is starting to show some cracks as far as what we want to see as viewers. But you got to remember these films, the Fast and Furious films, the Transformer films, nobody wants to see them for Academy Award winning narratives or anything like that. They just want to go and get some specific things out of it until they're just tired of seeing it. And I don't think people are tired of seeing dinosaurs eat people yet. They will at some point, but I don't see it happening this time around. We may see it on a third Jurassic World series, which we're definitely going to get sometime here in the future. Yeah, but let me ask you this. As proven with Star Wars, People don't like change introduced into their favorite franchises. And I haven't read any of the, the actual reviews on Jurassic Park. I don't know what the Rotten Tomato score is or whatever. Jurassic but, World. 
Jurassic World, I just I would be curious to see what people are actually saying about. It. I just know what people who I went to see it with say about it. So like I, I'm gonna get out there and I'm gonna start. I'm gonna ask some people about it. But yeah, you know, as shown with Star Wars, is people don't like to have change introduced into their favorite universes. And I'm I just I'm curious to see if there will be any backlash about this and if they'll make changes for the the third one to give people bring back the magic of of what made Jurassic Park so great. Well, I agree with you that there is some dissension on this actual Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. I've actually reached out online and actually when we've used it as a subject here in recent weeks on our shows, I've actually gotten some feedback on social media expressing disappointment in this particular film even though they've loved the series so much. So I actually already have experienced other people outside yourself that have not been totally enamored with the film. Some of it, you're giving it a little bit of a thumbs down. Some are giving it a thumbs up. So it does have that mixed type of feel that actually previous installments have had to a somewhat lesser length. I know as well, the Transformers series, people love it or hate it. And the Fast and Furious series, the same thing. So you could pretty much throw those three franchises in maybe a little bit of a nutshell together because you have all three of those franchises never really basing itself off of any critical acclaim, but more so off of word of mouth and an excellent CG. And there you go. You, you have yourself a hit series. Will we see people getting tired of the Jurassic World series similar to what they've already gone through with the Transformers series? and possibly even a Fast and Furious series next time around. We'll have to wait and see. But Jeff Goldblum is still your idol. Boom. Honestly, if they put Jeff Goldblum and Dr. Grant and Sadler back in it, I think we can, uh, you know, we can forgive and forget here. All I can say is this, my friend. Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom is approaching a billion dollars. Hopefully, they will take your advice the next time around because there will be a third movie in the series that jurassic world and take a turn for bigger set pieces and more fun and more action instead of just maybe centralizing it a little bit too much like they did in jurassic world fallen kingdom what are your thoughts out there on jurassic world fallen kingdom did you like it did you not like it have you gone to see it are you going to see the next film in the series after a billion dollars you know there's going to be another one on the way share us your thoughts popculturecosmos at yahoo.com also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanica Media, and Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. Well, like I said, we've got a great episode coming out there for, like I said, we've got a great episode for everyone out there today. We've got Ben Arnaud from the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Tell us how to make a better hot dog this July 4th. He's going to share his thoughts on that coming up. But first, it's our good friend, Elijah Harrison, a.k.a. Plasma Z. This is Supernova, and this is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Hey, 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 hey.
You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Get ready for Kitty Origins Evolutions, the latest documentary from Rob McCallum. Generously peppered with archival footage shot by the band, this film gives you an honest and brutal look at what it takes to survive in the music industry. Order the DVD, Blu-ray, and live CD triple pack that features recordings from throughout their 20-year illustrious history from RobMcCallumFilms.com. RobMcCallumFilms.com, your place for awesome stories about awesome people and films worth watching. And we are back once again. It's Gerald from the Pop Culture Cosmos. I got to tell you, every time he comes on the air, it's always a pleasure, but it always leaves me hungrier than before I started talking to him. If you get a chance, and you got to make sure you do it on a full stomach, you got to listen to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast available on, of course, Apple Podcasts and so many other podcast outlets. Plus, also as well, if you want the best tips in grilling, barbecue, and anything else that you want to do as far as outdoor cooking, you got to check out SmokingHotConfessions.com. It's my good friend from the beautiful country known as Australia. It's my good friend, Ben Arnaud. What's going on, man? Mate, I'm super excited. I'm super happy to be on the show again. It feels like ages since I last spoke to you. One of the things I want to talk about as it gets closer to July 4th, however... And another American holiday that we here in America celebrate so fondly, hot dogs. Hot dogs is something that, well, okay, you just throw the hot dogs until they're done and and there you go. Uh, That seems to work for some people out there, but I think there's more of a deeper thinking and a deeper, I don't want to say science per se, but deeper procedures that need to take place in order to build and create and grill the better hot dog because hot dogs, if you don't do them properly on the grill, can just just sit there and just be generic and, and just be forgettable the moment people try them out. Yeah, definitely. They are um, everybody's favorite holiday food for throwing on the grill. But unless you're making your own dogs from scratch, it's really all about the toppings. So, I mean, if you're just going to the store and you're just buying your buns and your sausages uh, at the store, it's going to taste the same as your neighbor's hot dogs, as your, your friend's hot dogs. And so the way to make yours really stand out is to get into those toppings and make up some of them. So there's nothing wrong with the classics. You know, you've got, you've got your grilled onion and your ketchup or your sauerkraut and your mustard. But if you really want to do something special, you want to start looking into some homemade chili dog recipes with some homemade chili. I've got one on my website where I use pork mince, bacon and some smoked powdered chili that I cook up in my smoker, which is just incredible. Absolutely incredible. If you do look at that article, though, it's really hard to take an appetizing photo of a chili dog. So the photos themselves this is true. Are, aren't super great because it's really hard to take an attractive photo of a chili dog. And the other one I've got, which is just amazing, it's an Oktoberfest recipe, So, but you can borrow it. I don't mind if you borrow it for 4th of July. It's uh, brats with a grilled sauerkraut. So I'll, again, on my hot plate, I'll dump a can of sauerkraut onto the hot plate, throw in a bit of oil, some fennel seeds and some coriander, all that sort of stuff. Grill, I'll actually cook the sauerkraut. So those spices are cooked into the sauerkraut itself. And then I mix up a tomato and bacon jam fresh on the hot plate. So I'll move the sauerkraut off to one side, throw in some tomatoes, some bacon, some brown sugar, whip it up into a tomato jam right there on the hot plate, grab the brats, throw them in the, in the bread rolls, 
slap on some of that sauerkraut, top it off with the tomato and bacon jam, and mate, that will change your life. That will make your 4th of July barbecue stand out above anybody else's. That will indeed. And I want to ask you this. Is there a certain specific type of meat that you prefer as a hot dog, whether it's a brats, whether it's a sausage, whether it's a pork link, whether it's a chicken, whether it's a combo link, whether it's a beef hot dog, even spicy sausage? Is there something that you think when you've tried it on the grill cooks better than all the rest and makes a better hot dog experience overall? Mm. Yeah, personally, I'm not a huge fan of of the actual hot dog sausages themselves. Just for me, I just don't particularly like the the texture of them. For me, they're they're too finely ground. And here in Australia, it's really hard to find an American style hot dog. We typically, when Australians have hot dogs, we've got frankfurts, which I don't know if they're the same as what you got there. They're like in this like red sort of almost plastic looking skin, and if you cook it too long, the skin pops and peels off, and it just looks terrible and same and, here, same here. Yeah, but sometimes when I can find American-style hot dogs, I will get them and they are much better. Personally, I prefer a traditional meat sausage. So, it, yeah, it, it might be a bratwurst. My local butcher down the street here, he's got a beautiful recipe he's running at the moment of rump steak sausages. So he'll grind up a whole bunch of rump steak. I don't know what spices he puts in, but they are just phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. I love bratwursts. I love Italian spiced sausages. Um, so I, I, I tend to prefer some of the, the whole meat sausages rather than the hot dog blend type sausages. But fair enough. But it's still, like you said, it all depends on the toppings. And I know everybody, just like the, you, when you build a better burger, and if you get a chance, listen to my conversation with Ben on burgers and building the better burgers it's all about what you put on top of it and sometimes what you put into it as well as far as the actual hot dog itself but like you said it's just about a lot about what you put onto it you've got a great recipe for chili out there and you can catch it on smokinghotconfessions.com are there any other type of let's say sausage or hot dog or brats that, you know, as far as any toppings, you mentioned chili already, but is there anything else that you might, that stands out to you? Because I know a lot of people like, I like Chicago dogs as well with the pickles, the onions and, and going through as far as a lot of mustard as well. But I know there's some really fine stuff out there that people put on their hot dogs as well. You can sort of travel all around the world with a hot dog, you know, you, you can put on some, uh, some chipotle spiced sausages throw some salsa on there and uh, some pico de gallo and you've, you've got a Mexican flavor to your, to your hot dog. Um, you can grab some lamb sausages and you can put some of that uh, tzatziki sauce on there that we talked about before. A few little bits of mint, you've got a beautiful Greek hot dog. You know, you can, you can really take your hot dogs and, and travel around the world. Just throw a dart at a map, pick a place and off you go. Great ideas indeed. It is Ben Arno from the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. I'll tell you what, Ben, it's just always great to have you on the show. I feel 10 pounds heavier, though, but I am okay, as always. <laughs> uh, just, just the way you describe things, like you said one time when we talked previously, it's just in your nature to do so, and, and nobody does it better than you as far as describing how delectable the grilling scene is, and nobody does it better than my good friend, Mr. Ben Arnault of the Smoking Hot Confession Podcast. So great to have you on the show today, my friend. That's very kind words from you, mate. I, I, uh, I certainly appreciate that. Enjoy the weather there.
Oh, I will indeed enjoy the weather down there in that um, um, frosty Australia down there. Yeah, yeah <laughs> indeed. You had to close the window. Oh, <laughs> but it's been great having you on the show, Ben. And as always, a great pleasure having you a part of the Pop Culture Cosmos. Nothing's better when grilling your favorite meal than adding some delicious Wheelie Q rubs, seasonings, and gluten-free barbecue sauce. Made with the finest ingredients, Wheelie Q products pack a ton of flavor to your meals, whether it's ribs, chicken, steak, hamburgers, fries, or vegetables. To get your hands on some of these tasty Wheelie Q items, Head on over to www.wheelieq.com and a portion of all profits made will go into finding a cure for spinal muscular atrophy. Pop Culture Cosmos listeners, act now and get 15% off your order just by entering the promo code POD1, that's P-O-D and the number one at checkout. For the tastiest food on the grill, nothing's better than Wheelie Q items today at wheelieq.com. And we're back with the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford, along with my good friend, Josh Peterson. Just want to let you know, if you want to keep up to date on where we're at anywhere in the world, because we are playing all over the place on online radio and our good friends over the air at KBOG 97.9 FM, check out our schedule today on Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. It gives you a listing of all of our online radio stations because we're being played every single day of the week somewhere on all of these great stations. Plus also as well, you can download all of our episodes today, including all of our extra content that we throw up there on our Pop Culture Cosmos channel on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and over 30 more podcast outlets. Josh, I know you got a great thing going on with Humanica Media. Outside of writing your next book in the series, which is just about done, what is going on with your great experience known as Humanica Media? Uh, we just put up a new episode of Topic Apocalypse tonight, or no, yesterday, and it is movies we didn't appreciate as children. So you, you know, you watch those movies as a kid, and then you grow up and you watch the movie again. You either hate it or you're hit with something profound that you never noticed as a kid. So we're discussing all that as well as some of our favorite cartoons that have an impact on us now. But yeah, you can check that out now on Podbean, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and all the usual suspects. Yeah, and then you can check us out on the Podcast Radio Network every Tuesday nights. And When is it? 6.30. No. And it's actually 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific every Tuesday on the Podcast Radio Network. I think you're actually just doing it now on purpose. You can actually find our show, the Pop Culture Cosmos Show, every Monday night, 10.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Pacific. And, of course, the PCC Multiverse, Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific there as well. Josh, before we head on to talk about Grand Theft Auto V, I want to touch on something real quick to let everybody know out there. It appears it leaked out as far as the title for the upcoming next installment in Infinity War series coming out in May of 2019. Cinematographer for the movie, Trent Opalock, on his list of credits on his website, accidentally revealed what the title may be and most likely will be coming for the series unless Disney decides to 
actually have it changed. Right now, as it stands, it appears to be that the Avengers 4 title will be Infinity War Endgame. So I ask you, Josh, how ominous is that title for many of our beloved characters and the overall story arc of the Avengers series? People will probably die. I mean, there's still people who are saying that Captain America is going to die. And I guess through leaked concept art scripts and what have you, people are saying that Captain America is going to die trying to save Tony Stark. So we'll see what happens. And I've been seeing a lot of stuff about time travel because if you see the there's art involving that. And a lot of people are saying they're going to use the quantum realm to go back in time. And that's what's going to get Thanos to put on his armor again and go to war with the Avengers. From what I understand, it's going to have lasting consequences. And the whole thing with Captain Marvel is like, oh, she's the godsend, you know. But from what I understand, she doesn't actually have that huge of a role in the movie because they wanted it to focus on the heroes that we started out with. And I'm grateful for that. You know, that that's cool. And like I, I heard also a rumor that Hawkeye's family is going to get the old uh, quick death in that in this upcoming movie. But you know, again, if they do the time travel thing, that's going to allow them, you know, an opportunity to unravel all of that. From what you're saying, that could be something that could be heavily involved in the next movie, which could very well end up being Infinity War Endgame if the credits stay true. So I want to ask this, when it comes to Infinity War Endgame, like you said, it could be the end for Captain America, Iron Man. This is not unexpected, but do you see this as a launching point a strong launching point for the Avengers going forward in creating that new scenario where you've got Captain Marvel, Doctor Strange, which pretty much confirmed a new movie is on the way for him, Black Panther, and all those different characters that we know already, because it looks like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 will be probably a closeout of those characters. So there's going to have to be a lot more to lean on for us to be familiar with while integrating new characters into the mix. Kevin Feige has said that the next generation of Avengers is going to be dominated more by females instead of males, but I still think that we're going to see either Captain Marvel or Doctor Strange in the leadership position there. Things are changing, man. I'm I'm curious to see where they're going to go, but from what I understand, like this is going to have a lasting impact on the Marvel Universe. So what does that mean? Does it, is the day going to be saved and everything's going to go back to normal, or... Are they going to do something in time that is going to stop something from happening? Say, like, that's going to stop Tony Stark from becoming Iron Man or something pivotal like that. What is the end game? Because I don't imagine that they're just going to end it and have the credits roll like they do in the other ones where they show they defeat the villain. They all drive off in nice cars. Thor goes back to Asgard or something. Something impactful and emotional is going to happen. But at this point, it's anybody's guess what that thing is. One last thing before we head to GTA 5. When you talked about the time travel and things of that nature, I've spoken to you before that for the Chinese audience, they are not going to be privy to something like that because time travel under their law is still prohibited when it comes to movie making is concerned. Are you suggesting that people in China aren't allowed to travel through time? I'm suggesting that they're not allowed to watch movies that have either ghosts or time travel. That's pretty much from what I'm understanding and what I've read and what I've researched is that they're not supposed to see movies with those type of concepts, cultural superstition, whatever you want to call it. Do you see that being something that they might have to consider 
changing or modifying as far as time travel per se, and maybe come up with something then perhaps using the time stone because the time stone looks like the easy way out and the best way out as far as being able to fix so many wrongs that were done in Avengers Infinity War. But do you see because of the fact the Chinese market is now so important because it's been such a huge win for Avengers Infinity War, do you see the Chinese marketplace coming into this as far as the reasoning, maybe why or why not, they would actually go and delve into a time traveling concept. I think that's why they're exploring the idea of the quantum realm, because in the quantum realm, you know, I guess time doesn't work the same way it does here. So that might be their way out. Or if not, you know, Marvel will probably shoot separate scenes for the Chinese market. But I also think it's equally important for them to stay true to what people have seen in comic books and stuff. And I don't think that, you know, Marvel has a lot of time travel a whole lot of time travel and you know in their comic book universe so it'd be a shame to see them not use something just because of the chinese market but again like you said the chinese market is very important but you know i think this is why they're doing the quantum realm so i think that this is their the loophole that they that they need to basically get the story out there and finish it well let's hope they can come up with a viable story and narrative for infinity war endgame even though it's going to be an end game for probably one or more of our favorite superheroes, that it will be a start and a great foundation for Marvel movies to come. Speaking of things that have garnered a huge amount of success, Grand Theft Auto V, we've said it before on this show, it is approaching 100 million in sales, and it has reached an almost unparalleled level of success as a video game in that industry. It has achieved critical praise, unlike almost any other game out there. It has received modding and support from the community, unlike almost anything out there as well. So I ask you, Josh, with all the things that are going on in today's gaming world, with the Battle Royale genre being so hot and heavy with Fortnite and PUBG, with so many other games trying to take stabs at it and being very popular in their own right, including Overwatch, even to a lesser extent, the Call of Duties, the Maddens, and and everything else going on in the video gaming world, plus Rockstar themselves coming out with Red Dead Redemption 2 later this year. Are we finally seeing a, well, I'll go back to it, like Avengers Infinity War, an endgame with Grand Theft Auto V? Do you see that clock finally running out on the success of Grand Theft Auto V? And maybe it's time to start looking towards a Grand Theft Auto 6 because of the fact that Red Dead Redemption 2 is going to be coming around. And that game is going to need a heavy amount of support and focus from Rockstar at this point in time. No, I think of anything, you know, like we discussed earlier, they're just in danger of running out of people to buying Grand Theft Auto because it's such a huge game. And the the great thing about those games is that they're not there's no continuity there's no um timeline that they all exist on they're all separate games in separate places and as long as they continue to to make things like that it's just because you know we could ask ourselves the same thing about call of duty are people going to stop buying call of duty is it going to die you know you'd think yes but every time they put out a new call of duty people still flock to the store to buy it and you know Battle Royale mode is it's a moment in time. You know, I don't think single player is dead. I don't think Battle Royale mode is going to be something that lasts through the years. Fortnite is doing it right and people will continue to play that for a long time because they're 
continuing to offer support. But you look at these games, you know, Call of Duty, bring in the Battle Royale mode. As soon as a new entry in the Call of Duty series comes out, that old Battle Royale mode is going to go go bye-bye in favor of a new one, whereas Fortnite, it, they just continue to update content. You're playing the same game. So, you know, whatever works better on the market, but, you know, back to Grand Theft Auto, I don't, I don't think they're in any danger of running out. People are still clamoring for another one. I think after Red Dead, we're probably going to be getting whispers of a new Grand Theft Auto, and it wouldn't surprise me if they are working on it right now. I already know Grand Theft Auto 6 is going to happen at some point in time. I mean, you just don't have a game that sells $100 million and not have a sequel to it. That's pretty much a given. But I see the end as far as maybe the continuous support, the continuous love, and the continuous amount of people playing the game at the levels that they currently are or have been in the past year. That might be going down a little bit just because of the fact that, hey, Rockstar is coming out with another game that's going to be in many ways emulating what was already done with Grand Theft Auto V, but a newer version of it. Let's go ahead and mill over there and give that a try and give that a whirl, provide mods for that and provide the support and love for that we have over the past five years for Grand Theft Auto V. It's amazing. It's still on the charts in the UK and in the US to an extent. And it's still amazing to see that it has garnered so much support even to this day. But I think that with all that's going on in the video game world, there is going to be a, a point in time where there is a drop in interest in Grand Theft Auto V. It's happened to every game. World of Warcraft, Call of Duty series, Battlefield, League of Legends. It happens to every series at some point in time. It just may be that time for Grand Theft Auto V. Is it a done deal yet? Will there still be more mods? Will there be still more content that's produced for it? Of course there will be. I just don't see them keeping up at the level that they have been for the past few years. I think at some point in time here within calendar 2018 or early 2019 that you will see a significant drop off for GTA 5. And like you said, that's just going to only speed up the calls for GTA 6. Yeah, and that's the dangerous thing too. As as a, as game developers, they probably are aware that if they make a new product, interest in their other products are going to go down. There are people still playing Halo 2, and there's people still playing Call of Duty 2. So as long as there's a fan base, they're going to keep playing. And as soon as they announce... The, the cool thing too, when they tend to announce new games and franchises, especially like Grand Theft Auto, people always go back and play the old ones in anticipation of the new one coming out. And if they don't like the new one, they'll go back to play the old one just to, to spite the new one. And, you know, that's because gamers are very temperamental, as you and I both know. Yeah, we'll see what happens. The, the thing with Red Dead is that it's such a drastically different game from Grand Theft Auto in terms of setting, scenery, and all that stuff. It'll be interesting to see how many people actually come over to that from Grand Theft Auto. And, and what's the modding community going to be like? Because I know at first Rockstar wasn't very kind to the modders. And then they just kind of said, all right, well, this is happening, so we'll just let it go. You're right. They have come to realize that the modding community has become a great part of the Grand Theft Auto series. And it looks like that's going to keep the game fresh for quite a while to come with Red Dead Redemption 2 coming out and other games that are going to be coming on the way as well, that it's going to distract from that. And a lot of people are going to move away from it for at least a little while and that's going to create a little bit of a drop. Will it kill off GTA 5 as a whole? No, I don't think it will. But 
I do see a drop coming for Grand Theft Auto V. I do see an end-of-the-run type of deal for them at some point in time. It may come sooner. It may come later. Who knows actually for sure, but one thing is for sure, and that's the place in history Grand Theft Auto V has with us as gamers, us as consumers, and us as a popular culture as well. What are your thoughts on Grand Theft Auto V? Do you still see it? being strong for some time to come or do you see it fading a little bit into the background with red dead redemption 2 on the way plus the huge interest in the battle royale genre with games like fortnite and PUBG? share us your thoughts pop culture cosmos at yahoo.com also as well pop culture cosmos humanica media and game stars on facebook and twitter as well well coming up next we've got douglas hoibu from retro city games He's going to be talking to the folks at Hyperkin about all that they have out and what they're looking forward to show off to consumers here in 2018. And then right after that, Josh and I are going to give our opinions on the DC streaming service. And is it worth your time and money? We're going to share our thoughts on that as well. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Based on the webcomic by Sarumaru, FX Unit Yuki is now available on the PC Engine and TurboGrafx Systems. With eight varying stages of hardcore 2D action, an awesome soundtrack, and intense boss battles, FX Unit Yuki gets the adrenaline pumping as you navigate through its multiple difficulties and endings. Check out Old School Retro at its finest today by ordering a CD-ROM copy of FX Unit Yuki for the PC Engine or Turbo Graphics today at fxunityuki.com. That's F-X-U-N-I-T-Y-U-K-I dot com. Hey guys, this is Doug with Pop Culture Cosmos. I'm here at E3 at the Hyperkin booth with Terrence. He's going to give me a little bit of a rundown on their new products, and we're going to go through some of the new and exciting stuff they're coming out with. We have over here the Scout and the Cadet. So we briefly released the Scout and Cadet in wired form for the SNES and also the NES respectively, but now we have a Bluetooth solution for both of those. So the dongle is plugged directly into your console, and basically you sync it up with the controller, and it actually syncs pretty quickly. So, yeah, these are not out yet, but they should be out pretty soon. And uh, basically, yeah, it's like a 30-foot range. I've actually walked around with it a little further than 30 feet. They work pretty perfectly. So Yeah, I know other wireless products you guys have put out. I've had good feedback in my store yeah. with and everything. Yeah, especially with the, uh, the dongled stuff. The, uh, the Bluetooth stuff is great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, actually, the SNES mini version of that, the Scout we have, that one actually extends further than 30 feet. So why don't you tell me about the uh, Ultra Boy you guys are coming out with. If I'm right, it's a uh, it's a Game Boy and Game Boy Color, like, all-in-one system? Yeah, basically, it pl it'll play your Game Boy and Game Boy Color games. I believe right now the, it doesn't support, like, the special palettes. So, you know, you have different colors. But it does have, like, a blue backlight. On top here, it has RCA outputs, and that's for like the chiptune and 8-bit musicians, so that way they can get high-quality uh, audio output from that. On the bottom, it's actually a USB Type-C connection, so that way you can recharge it, and it's about a six-hour battery life on that. That's awesome. No more eating through batteries. And was there a reason you guys decided to go with like the, the chiptune route? Like, that, like customer feedback, or was that just you guys saw a market for it and kind of went for it? you know, our, our product developer, I think he does have an interest in uh, catering to like very niche communities. I 
I myself am a chiptune musician. I've been doing it for around six, seven years, and that's something I'm really interested in. At the office, I brought like my cartridge full of songs, and we're like letting them uh, check it out, and I think they're using just see if it works on there. And basically, I haven't tried it yet with the RCA outputs, but I'm hoping it sounds amazing. <laughs> it looks pretty cool. Is the uh, the knob on the side is that for volume control or? I believe that is volume control. On the other side, there's brightness buttons. Yeah. Brightness. And you said it is a backlit screen, correct? Backlit screen. Right now it's blue, but I think one of the features we're trying to work on is uh, like an RGB dial, so you can change it to blue, red, green, orange, awesome. whatever. Yeah. There's a link port there. I believe that is for external accessories, so like MIDI, anything that'll let you to control your uh, your music software externally. So I'm not sure if it's going to be used for connecting to Ultra Boys, but for right now, I believe it's used for any accessories made DIY by uh, chip team musicians. They usually use a link port for that. That's interesting. I mean, I have a lot of guys that buy um, actually broken consoles from me all the time to, to turn into glitch machines, and yeah, especially yeah. Uh, zappers and stuff. Guy, one of the guys does that. And it's interesting to see you guys taking an approach where you're an all-in-one solution where it's just plug and play and you yeah. can start loading custom stuff on it. I mean, That's definitely. pretty awesome. Yeah, I saw you guys uh, a little while ago came out with the awesome Duke controller for the Xbox One. And uh, you guys came out with four new colors, correct? Yeah, so the four new colors, uh, those three other colors are something we haven't shown off yet. The green one is something we did actually show off a while ago as a prototype. But the, this one, the green, it's actually going to be sold exclusively at GameStop in the first week of September. Awesome. Yeah, so this is something we're really excited about. Right next to it, um, we actually just debuted over at FanFest, uh, Xbox FanFest, and there may have been some leaks here and there on Reddit. Basically, it's a replica of the original Xbox 360 voice chat headpiece. Yeah, the nostalgia is real with that thing. When you, I mean, when looking at it in person, it's almost, I mean, from what I remember, almost the exact form factor of that that wireless headset yeah definitely and like i believe like everything kind of adjusts so you can remove it and flip it around if you want to put it on the other ear i'm, I'm really loving the uh the Mega Man 11 Xbox One uh, yeah. PC controller. We're finally partnering up with Capcom to release an officially licensed controller. Oh, it's officially so, licensed? Yes, it is. That's awesome. So Mega Man 11 comes out October 2nd. So does this controller. It's awesome. Yeah, I love what you guys are doing. Um, thank you for taking time out and to uh, show me all the new products. Yeah, definitely. Um, Thanks for stopping by. Yeah, uh, you guys can check them out at Hyperkin.com. Hyperkin.com, and also you can go on HyperkinLab.com if you want to purchase our items directly from us. And you can also go on at Hyperkin for Twitter, at Hyperkin for Instagram. I believe we're Hyperkin Games on Facebook. Yeah, you guys should definitely follow them. Um, they're always coming out with great stuff. I know we carry tons of your guys' products in my store. Also, if you guys are ever looking for any other products, you can always contact us at Retro City Games in Las Vegas. Thank you for your time, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back to close out the show. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode Want to thank as well Ben Arnaud from the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast and Douglas Hoyabu from Retro City Games. Before we head on out, my friend, we just want to let everybody know on our Friday show, the PCC Multiverse, you know we're going to be talking Ant-Man and the Wasp, 
because it hits theaters this weekend. So we're definitely going to be talking about that at the head of our list. So that's something we're going to be prepared to talk about when it comes to Ant-Man and the Wasp on their Friday show, The PCC Multiverse. Josh, you've seen the ads now. I've seen the ads now, and I've actually taken a look into the DC streaming service with the animated features, the new content coming to it, the new shows, and of course, the quote-unquote classic movies that it has a little bit of, the DC movies that, that actually have been produced already to date. Your thoughts on the DC streaming service? Is it something that's going to be worth your time and money? And do you think it should be worth everybody's time and money out there? Or do you think in the sea of streaming channels out there is something that you should leave behind? I think that the success or lack of success of Teen Titans is going to really prove what happens with this because a lot of people are saying, you know, we want these DC streaming service original shows to be tied to the movie universe, but they're also creating like two different parallel movie universes right now. And so I don't know, man, like I'm, I'm not personally interested in it. And I'm sure like if I get desperate enough, they'll have like a 30 day free thing where I can try it out and see, see what's what, but I'm not a big DC fan anymore. Like I'm just, I'm so tired of it. It's so confusing. What's happening? What's going on? Why are you creating a parallel universe for another Joker film? I just, I don't get what they're doing with it. And they're trying to compete with Netflix. But here's the thing. The more that, you know, Disney wants their own streaming service. DC wants their own streaming service. But Netflix continues to just annihilate all competition as far as original content goes because they have you know not just uh, american filmmakers you know making stuff for them but they have they're buying rights to european stuff and british stuff so like there's a lot of good stuff on netflix and like their contract with funimation is really cool too because they get they they're getting original anime out of that so i'm not interested i don't know i mean I don't know how you feel about it, but I just, it's not something that I, I don't want to pay for another streaming service because I'm already doing Netflix. I already do the Xbox Live Games Pass. It's just another monthly payment that I don't need for something that probably a lot of the shows I've already seen them or I have just, you know, if I get desperate enough, like I said, I'll try a free trial, but I just don't see them putting enough content out there on a weekly, daily, monthly basis for me to justify spending more money on another service. I agree with you on that. And when the service comes out, because right now they're taking signups for a beta for this fall, actually next month, it's going to start on a beta status. So you can sign up now on the DC streaming service website and connect to that to get on the list. But I don't see myself adding that as far as to my streaming channel lineup, because like you said, most of the content that's there is not going to be something that we would enjoy seeing again. Most of it's just the mediocre older Batman films, the older stuff and older material that they have. The DC animated stuff, that would be something that might garner some interest because that obviously with the Batman series from the 90s and there's a few other things, the director video and some of the actual animated films that they have in their vault would actually be kind of interesting to see. But people you can find them now still on the internet or go out of the way to buy them and watch them online without having to go ahead and invest in a streaming service. And like you said earlier, all of it rides on the Teen Titan series becoming a success. 
yes, a Swamp Thing series is going to be on the way as well and some other stuff included, but I just don't see it connecting very large with audiences. And to me, I think this is another bad move for DC and Warner Brothers. I think they should go ahead and bring this material, this new material out to other streaming services that are larger and, and already established like Netflix or Amazon or Hulu and just put it there and establish yourself as the DC place to go like you do with the CW with all your shows there. So to me, it was kind of puzzling why, well, I don't want to sound like the Riddler there, but kind of puzzling that they are going to be doing this and going to undertake this because they feel that they have so much in the vault that they can share with audiences. But I don't see it as a good value, even at a $10 price point. I just think it's something, like you said, it's another streaming service that's out there. I don't think they'll reach an audience as large as they are hoping to connect with. What are your thoughts on the impending DC streaming service coming to screens everywhere this fall? Are you excited for it? Are you going to invest in it? Is it something you're looking to go into as far as the beta is concerned? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanity Media, and Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the DC streaming service, especially if you get it and if it's worth the money you're investing into it. Well, Josh, it's been another great episode, my friend. We've got the Friday show coming up. Can't wait for that. Ant-Man and the Wasp coming out later this week. Looking forward to it. Any last thoughts? I might have already told you this. I'm getting ready to play Captain Spirit on uh, Xbox One. So I do want to talk about that because there's a lot of interest around that game. And I'm just, you know, I want to talk about video games as a storytelling medium. So I'll, I'll get back to you with my thoughts on that. Look for it now. It's The Awesome Adventures of Captain Spirit. It is a free game, so give it a try. It looks like it's going to be a good game for everyone out there. And I can't wait to hear Josh's thoughts. And you know what? I might actually delve into it, too. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the Pop Culture Cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. Did you know the ESO Network has a brand new Patreon? That's right. We're asking for your help, and you could do it for as little as a dollar a month. Don't fret. All your favorite shows will still be available for free, as always. But you can get exclusive podcasts and more not heard anywhere else but on our Patreon. To sign up for the ESO Network, Patreon's easy. All you have to do is go to ESOPodcast.com and click on the link. With your support of the ESO Network, it's you who will reap the rewards. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard.
tangentboundnetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.